we are leaving for middle camp or middle camp junior high camp at 1:30 today. It needs to be leaving at 1:30, not showing up to the parking lot and loading your stuff up at 1:30, leaving at 1:30. Sometimes when I talk, the lights go out. So. Uh, Please, if you are riding the van, a couple of things. Make sure I know you're riding the van and um, be here in time to ride the van. Uh, I, I am the assistant director of this particular camp, so I have to be there on time. So get here on time, or I will leave you behind. Yes. Thank you. Not you, Caroline. No. My goodness. Why would I? Just because I stared at you the whole time doesn't mean I'm singling you out. Um, there is a. Uh, there is something that we do as Christians that I think we can quit doing because of the Holy Spirit and feel good about it and feel. Like we trust God a little more today than we did yesterday. And what, one of the things we do, though, is someone will come and say, I'm interested in this Jesus guy. And we get really caught up in the idea of having to convince them that they're sinners. You say, well, we're, we're going to be like Jesus and we're going to eat with the sinners. And then the next question that always happens is, well, people, were, people are going to think you're condoning it if you spend time with them. People are going to think you're condoning it. People are going to think you're condoning uh, this sin or that sin. And the only sin we really condone is gluttony. The only sin we really condone is gossip. We don't condone slander, but we do condone gossip. The difference between the two is if you're lying about the person, it's slander. If you're telling the truth, telling a truth that's not your truth to tell, it's gossip. We condone certain sins, but we don't condone other sins. And those other sins we don't condone, we, we need the world to know that. And so for a long time, we have, uh, uh, Christians can have, been get, have gotten into the rhythm of Telling people that they're sinners. Let's just tell them they're sinning. How will they know if we don't tell them they're sinning? When our main message, our main message to the world is to tell them about Jesus. And we can get so caught up in telling them that they're sinners and telling them that they're sinning that we can forget to tell them about Jesus. And that the message of the church has become there is a list of sins and you aren't to participate in any of these sins. Well, why? Well, because they're against the rules. Why? Because God said so. Why? That inspired me to add that line to my sermon. Which, that was a good joke. Y'all didn't laugh hard enough at that. That was a good joke. If you didn't catch it. Think about it. You may get it on the way home. 
there, there is, there, there, we can get so caught up in naming sin and pointing it out, convicting the world, that we forget to testify about the one who came to redeem us. And there's this interesting passage in the, in the final discourse where Jesus is having this long conversation with his disciples in John, and he's in the last part of John, John 14, 15, and 16. And he, his disciples are obviously grieving. He has told them, sometimes we feel like the Bible's a play, and Jesus says this, and then you say this, and he's been telling them, I'm about to die. They are about to come arrest me and crucify me. I'm going away. You won't see me anymore. They're upset. Actually, Jesus, you can tell by his phrasing here. This isn't on. He said, he's telling them, I'm going away. And he said, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Like, you don't say that to someone who hasn't obviously, who isn't obviously upset. These guys are visibly shaken. They are visibly upset. They are crying, God, what are we, do- what are we going to do without you, Jesus? And Jesus says the thing that is probably the most unbelievable thing. You know, when your parents said, this is going to hurt you, hurt me way more than it hurts you. Kids, they are lying to you. There are times they wanted to hit you again. And didn't. What they mean is the restraint is difficult. That's all they're saying. But Jesus Jesus says to them, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage... For if I do not go away, the helper, the advocate, the, um, the Greek word is parakletos, this, this big word that we don't really have one word to fit. But he's been calling it the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. If I go away, if I don't go away, the Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's presence is better for us than His presence. The Holy Spirit's presence with us is better than His presence with us. And this is completely ununderstandable. I don't get it. Of course I would much rather Jesus be here in person, standing next to me, telling me what I should think and what I should do and what I should say about, about current issues. Is it, what, how, Jesus, how would you do this? Because it seems like I'm only relying most of the time on my intuition and my emotions and my particular beliefs. And I would love to walk in the footsteps of the rabbi. I would love for the dust of his shoes to cover me. I, I, but I, are you serious? It's better that you go? 
it's better that you send the helper to me. And then he says this. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit, this is the first time that that they've branched, the Spirit's work is not in me, although I am a part of the world. And that any time I need to be convicted, I believe it's the Spirit that, that is doing it. But when John talks about the world, he's talking about those who do not follow Jesus. It begins in the very beginning of John where it says, He came into the world, but the world did not recognize him. In John, Jesus is constantly doing things. God and Jesus and the Spirit are constantly doing things for the world, and the world is constantly fighting back. So God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. But the world does not understand him. The world does not recognize him. The world crucifies him. The world rejects him. So Jesus is Jesus and, and through the Father, through Jesus, is constantly doing things for the world, and the world is constantly fighting back. And the world eventually crucifies Jesus. Then the Spirit comes in, and Jesus says, when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of its sin. Now, if you look at the world globally, just pan out real big, it doesn't feel like that sometimes. It doesn't feel like that if you look at the church sometimes. Because sometimes we're very concerned about other people's sin and not our own. But if you look at the world, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like the Spirit has maybe, is maybe not doing all that great of a job. But that's only from an outer space view. When you start testifying, when you start speaking about the love and the forgiveness, the death, burial, and resurrection like we talked about last week, that if Jesus is always on your lips, guess what is no longer your job? Convicting. The Holy Spirit Spirit does that for us. We, we all recognize the, the dissonance between uh, having, like, speaking the love of Jesus versus standing up for what is right. Like, well, if I speak the love of Jesus, if I, keep, if I keep loving these people, they're eventually going to think that the, I think the thing they're doing is right. That's not true. That is fear. And any time we make decisions out of a fear of what might happen, we are making bad and unfaithful decisions. 
If you believe that the Holy Spirit is present in this place, if you believe what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, then one of the things that the Spirit is going to do is convict the world. We have helped. And to be honest, I think the Spirit can do it better than you can. Because while whenever we get involved in that, oppor- in that activity, we will sometimes look as though we think we are holier than those people. And that's not the truth. We haven't earned God's love more than people who sin in different ways or in the same ways, but just more than us. But guess who is holier than those people? The spirit that convicts. I think that one of the most important things we, are, we as a church are to do to the world is to love them like Jesus loved us. I think that's one of the most important things. But I also believe that the world needs to be convicted of its sin. And it's almost here as if Jesus has said, y'all go take care of that first one. I'm going to send a helper who's going to take care of the second one. So we don't have to choose. Because sometimes it feels like if we're going to, oper- if we're going to be convic- convicting people, like teaching them about what's wrong and what's sinful, and if we're going to be loving them, it feels like we can't really do that at the same time. Like when's the opportune time to tell them they're sinners? After like the first lunch where we're just like, friend- like I'm showing them love, how do I... How do I show them love? I once knew, knew an evangelist. There was these, like these door knocking campaigns. They would go around from town to town um, and knock on doors and ask the question, uh, if you died right now, would you go, um, do you know that you, for sure that you'd go to heaven? And if someone comes and knocks on your door, say, yes, would you like some tea? Because what they, but instead, they, they said, well, we got to serve these people first. So they would bring them like some groceries, whether they needed it or not. Just groceries and be like, here, hell. You know, that, that, you're going there. Feels like I just swore I didn't. Get off my back. Stop judging me. So they're, they're, here, you're going to hell or heaven or let's talk about serious business um, because I gave, I gave you groceries. I've served you in some way. And there, this, is a, um, th- this is a bit of a manipulative system. And the guy was telling me about how he did it. He's like, I'll, I'll ask him this so that I can get him to say this. And I'll, I'll, I said, this seems like you're manipulating them. And he said, well, if the devil can do it, so can I. I was like, I don't think that's a good way of thinking about things. But we really, it, it seems like our passions lie sometimes in convicting the world. And we we are passionate about telling people they're sinners. But what we should be passionate about is the Savior, the the Messiah, the, the Son of God who brought us out brought us out of our own sinfulness. Not made us completely um we, we don't sin but just he, he redeemed us. There is an empty tomb. 
there is an occupied throne. And Jesus, the risen Savior, is on the throne. And that should be our main message. That should be the thing that we are associated with. That when people think, oh yeah, the church, they're always saying they, it should be that Jesus is alive. But we're not known for that sometimes. Even in the church of Christ, y'all are the ones without instruments. Or what I always get is, y'all are the ones that don't believe in music. Yeah, we don't think it exists. Don't try to tell me otherwise. Y'all are the ones who do things this way. Because we, we've gone out and we've said, you people should do things the way we do them. And all the while, the empty tomb is getting darker and darker as the spotlight shifts from it to me. That's sin. We can do the same thing with sin, where I can say, oh, I, 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 I am, you, you guys need to quit sinning. You guys need to quit sinning because you need to be like me. Well, because I need to be like what? Who do I need to be like? Jesus, are you there yet? No. I'm not saying not to name sin as sin, but I want us to get really good, actually, really good at naming sin as sin. And the way you do that is you practice in the mirror. We name our sin as sin and let the Holy Spirit do its work in us, convict us, move us. So that we can can understand the enormity of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And that once we understand the enormity of what Jesus did on the cross for us, there won't be anything that we would want to talk about. Other than that, one of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan, um, talks about, uh, you remember, um, I think it was Captain Phillips that was on the, um, the boat and then they, the pirates came on and then they were all in a life raft and then like some special ops people just came out of the, um, the, the water and rescued him. And Brian Regan says, if that happened to me, I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't be able to talk about anything ever, ever again. Like someone would say, hey, do you love playing ping pong? And I would say, well, no, but one time I was being held hostage on a raft and then everyone died except me. Like I wouldn't be able to have, I wouldn't be able to tell another story. Wives, does your husband have one of those stories? Husbands, do your wives have one of those stories? Where it's just that one story they just keep telling You've heard it a million times. And you're like the vice president sitting in the back laughing at the same joke over and over again. Because that's your job. You said the vows. <laughs> but there is a, like, we, we, we don't have this story on our lips enough. We don't have this, the story of Jesus, let's put the spotlight back on the empty tomb. Let's put the spotlight back on the good news. And believe with all of our hearts that the words that Jesus said are true. 
that he will send a helper, and that helper will convict the world. But we're not going to, I don't think we do a very good job convicting the world on our own. I just don't think we do. I think we've been trying for a really long time, and look where it's gotten us. I believe that if we have Jesus on our lips and the love of God sharing that with the world, no matter how much they fight back, that's a very very Jesus thing to do, to love the world even though the world is fighting back. We do that. I, I genuinely believe that maybe not the whole society, we're not talking about society, we're talking about neighbors. Your love for your neighbor will allow the spirit to convict the neighbor. You're tag teaming this, and your job is to testify. Your job is to love. And Jesus says the spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Jesus says, I, I didn't get it done. They didn't believe in me. Somebody else is going to have to consistently be convicting the world of sin. And that's the, whole, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit does a lot of convicting and does the convicting in ways that we will not be able to do it. To be honest, it, the Holy Spirit gets to convict because it's qualified to convict. And in the end, our resume falls short of the convictor. Our sin, our holiness, don't really line up to a way where I can stand up and point the hand of condemnation at people. But what can I do? The name of Jesus can be on my lips. The love of God for his good creation can be in my actions. And yes, sin is, name sin as sin. Even with your friends, especially the people that you are close to, actually I would maybe argue only the people that you are close to, that, you, that know you love them. You can say, you know what, I don't think that's okay. It's only in that attitude that that can be heard. Of course we're naming sin as sin, but we, that's, it's not in the end our job to convict. Jesus gives that job to someone more qualified than us. And I think it would actually do us well to trust in what Jesus They say uh, crazy is trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I've heard it a lot, especially in the last few months. This world's going downhill. Well, are you going to keep doing what you're doing? Or is it time to start give that job over to somebody else? 
love the way God has loved us. Uh, I, I think this works with every sin. It's one of my favorite lines whenever I hear, um, I heard this a lot as a youth minister, still do, as a, as a younger preacher. I'm not a young preacher anymore, I'm just a younger preacher. Um, it's always this, the belief that the, this next generation is worse than the previous one. And I always say this, and it never, it don't, rarely gets heard. I say, this generation just has fallen apart. This, is one, this, is, this generation is going to be the one to ruin this country. And I always say, yeah, they have no one to look up to. Guess who raised this generation? My generation. Guess who raised my generation? My parents' generation. We are producing something, and I think it's out of fear that we, we, we push the cross and the empty tomb aside and say, gotta quit sinning, gotta quit sinning, gotta quit sinning, gotta quit sinning. Christianity for me growing up was sometimes just don't smoke, don't drink, don't um, have premarital sex. That was it. If you can do those three things, don't swear. I mean, that was like super holy. Like that was, that was you were in the advanced class if you didn't swear. But it was a list of don'ts. Christianity is about an empty tomb. It's about something that happened. It's about good news. We often take the spotlight off of it and move it on to us. Because we're afraid that if we, if we just talk about grace, they're going to keep sinning. If we just show them love, they're going to just keep on sinning. Jesus' message is different than that. That it's better, he says, it's better if I go because you're not going to be able to handle the job that the Spirit has got to do. You're not going to be good at it. And to be honest, we're not. I think we're really good at loving people. I think we're really good at showing people the empty tomb, at showing people the occupied throne, talking about this Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Son of God, who is the Messiah, who is King. We haven't been very good convictors. And I think it's because we haven't trusted in the one who's actually capable of doing it. The Holy Spirit convicts. If, I think if you have faith in that, um, it can be very, very freeing. If you believe that to be true, You are free to do the thing that you're actually capable of doing. Favorite passage in Scripture, we'll do this, and I know we've got a, um, I'm running out of time. It's almost 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1, there is some division in, in that church, and he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. This is actually, this next little parenthesis is one of my favorite passages. Because Paul says, um, 
Oh, yes, I also baptized a household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. I love this. I don't know why that makes me so happy. For Christ did not send me to baptize. What? Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and eloquence. I'm not doing this so that I can, I can rhetorically get people into the water. I'm just preaching the gospel. I believe that the and Paul seems Paul believed that the response to the gospel is to be baptized. But Paul says, I didn't come to baptize, I came to point to an empty tomb. I came to point to an occupied throne. And I'm not even doing it with wisdom or intelligence or with rhetoric or I, I just want to start pointing. We're so anxious to convict people sometimes that we forget why they need to be convicted. And I think we forget who's actually more capable of convicting than we are. So we just point to the gospel. There is an empty tomb. There is an occupied throne. And if that is on your lips consistently with your neighbors, I think you will see a change in them that is miraculous. Don't be afraid to try that out. Jesus says that that's the role of the Holy Spirit and I believe him. It's the only time he says this is something the Holy Spirit's going to do to the world. I think the Holy Spirit's going to actually be pretty good at it. Holy Spirit will convict. Maybe you are convicted. Convicted by the gospel of Jesus. Convicted by the empty tomb. Convicted by the occupied throne. That you need to follow the one true king. And give up your way of doing things. And walk in his shoes. In his path. We believe that, that that journey begins with your baptism. We believe that journey begins with your confession that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King, not man. We believe that the Holy Spirit will be present with you, will teach you, will testify to you so you can testify to the world. And we believe that the Holy Spirit will convict the world just like it convicted But it is the love of God, the grace of God, that will bring people to that place. I've seen it. I've seen that work, and I've seen the other way not work at all. It's just a matter of faith, in my opinion. So let's have enough faith to love the world like God commanded us to. One that God sends 
will convict the world while we're loving the world. If you've been convicted, if you want to begin this journey, if you want to worship the King, if you want to come back, days to days. If you, in your heart, think, I, I need to change, I believe that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And if you then think, but I don't want to go forward. I think that's Satan talking to you. And the question is, who are you going to listen to this morning? Make that choice. Become a disciple of Jesus, either for the first time or come back home. Let's stand and stand. Uh, you can be seated. Tonight, uh, we will still meet at 6 o'clock uh, to talk about the Western culture. Uh, I, I know I'm going to camp, but...